Blog Talk Radio. Wait, can you hear me? Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> oh, look at that. I screwed up the opening sequence. You did. Excellent. Yep, I've I totally screwed, screwed up. up as well. All right, well, we're not going to have the rest of the opening <laughs> sequence. We're just going to start right now. Monday, March 14th, and welcome to the season eight of the Stupid Cancer Show. Man, I wrecked that one, didn't I? Yeah. Beautiful. What a. Wait, cue the car crash. Yeah. I don't have a car crash, but I can just do uh, the crickets. We'll do this. Ooh. Yeah. I screwed up the opening sequence. We should just hey, play it again. Play the old one. Um, I don't have the old one on me. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I actually tweeted that uh, the first for the first time that we're live streaming video as well. Yes. Let's go for the, yeah. as big a screw up as we can. Okay. Go ahead, Matt. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank, Thank you very you much. Tr- Thank you for tuning in. All right. Have a good weekend. All right. Anyway. I am Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhard, I think, a young adult survivor of 15 years. Bernard, Lisa Bernard. Bernhard with an H. Yes. 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your host for the Stupid Cancer Show. Yes, sir. Got cancer under 40. Sucks. Ah, well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here tonight to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. That's right. Tonight's show, Stupid Diabetes. Diabetes. We're the Stupid Cancer Show, but this is Stupid Diabetes, and we'll tell you why. But first of all, let's get to our big guest, Meredith Schwartz, who is a young adult type 1 diabetic of 10 years, a marketing director of a great organization called JimmyInsulin.org. Jeremy Weisbeck, who's the founder of JimmyInsulin.org and a young adult uh, diabetic. And in our Survivor Spotlight, Ryan Hosley, young adult type 1 diabetic, also 10 years, and the athletic, athletic committee chair of JimmyInsulin.org. Hello? Gangbusters. Are you drunk, too? Yeah. Okay. Throwing back too many. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cue any music. Yeah. Because it just sounds better with background music. Tell everybody while we're doing a show on diabetes, Matthew. We're doing a show on diabetes because all young adult diseases suck. And as a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the IMC Young Feathers Cancer Foundation online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. Because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So, hello, my friends. Welcome back to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp of the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on iTunes, and on Ustream. Yes, Ustream. As we stream live, and we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. All right, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live video stream and a live chat stream. Integrated with the show during each broadcast, we invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, and ask questions of our guests. And I'd like to welcome our in-studio guests, our uh, always here. <laughs> they know they don't leave. No, you keep coming. James Manning keeps coming back. I think he actually stays here once we turn the lights off. You sleep here, don't you? Yes. And Murray Jones joining us, special guest tonight. And uh, all right, I guess that's it. I will, I will hang my head in shame that I screwed up the opening segment. I will repair it, and we will be back in full force next Monday. We have a young person here named Murray, which means this is going to be an excellent show. A young person named Murray. That yeah. is true. You are you are very young looking for a guy named Murray. Thumbs <laughs> up. You have to look at us. We're over yeah, here. We're over here. <laughs> he doesn't have a he doesn't have a mic, Murray, but he's no. giving us the big no, thumbs Murray's up. Murray's don't need Murray's mic. waving from the couch. <laughs> that's that's the fabulous Kenny Kane, otherwise known as Ginger Redbeard. Hello. Ginger Redbeard. No, I'm clean shaven now. I know. You look 18 all over again. I you're, know. You're just Ginger, not Redbeard. I'm getting ready for my half marathon. More aerodynamic. Yes. And less. 
like a swimmer, you've yeah. shaved excess body hair. <laughs> oh God, that's a visual even I don't want. <laughs> Not okay. Now live streaming yeah. <laughs> the video. That would have oh, gotten God. us a lot of viewers tonight if we shaved down Kenny Kane. <laughs> Maybe the latest internet phenomenon. Oh God, Whoa. it's the shave down. Dot org fundraiser. Uh, all that red hair coming off? All I right. think we just came up with a new idea. The shave down. Donate now to not shave me. <laughs> <laughs> How to raise funds using reverse psychology. All right. Our, our darling Erin Eloise is in the chat room, and she is staunchly declining the opportunity to join in on a shave down for you. She's recovering from the spring ahead. Yes. Oh, my God. I hate daylight savings time. Can we please stop daylight savings time? I love it. Well, I, li- I like the spring ahead. You lose the hour and all of that. But it signifies that we're coming to nice warm weather out of this hellish winter that we've had on the East Coast. It stays lighter longer. I love that. Yeah, but it screws up my kid's sleeping cycle for two days, and that's all I care about. Two days. Yeah, but you're used to a screwed-up sleeping cycle. Yes. You never sleep, first of all. Well, no. I- I've been sleeping now more on the chair now that in the living room because the- my daughter is in our bedroom, and Jessica I'm scared to sleep. Out. No, Well, yes and no. <laughs> Uh, my son sleeps in his own room because he throws like a shit fit every night. Does that make him the man of the house? It does. It actually does. I will concede right now. Yeah. But my daughter At sleeps in months. the bedroom, in the pack and play in the bedroom, and I'm afraid to sleep in the bedroom with her because I snore and I wake her up, which further disturbs my sleep. This has nothing to do with my wife or her sleep getting uh, disturbed, but yes, I'm afraid. And then eventually my daughter winds up in our bed. At some point, without me being awoken to see she that crawls, happen, she crawls over. So, like, I'm, I might squish her. I don't yeah. want to squish her. Yeah. Not good. Anyway. Anyway. So, anyway, what's going on in Japan? Whoa. They had a bad week. Very bad. Very, very, very bad. bad. Uh, so sad, and I feel like we're still, it, it's so much worse than I think is what's being reported yes. by when you sort of read between the lines or not even, don't even have to sometimes read the, between the lines. I mean, some places are really kind of. Yeah. Uh, laying it out, and in terms of what the future holds, I mean, obviously we talk about cancer here, and first of all, the nuclear reactor having at least two blasts, and yeah, just bad fear of, you know, thyroid cancer going forward, and possible deaths before that, and eesh, entire towns being wiped out, thousands of people. I mean, just the live videos that were coming in were so intense and raw, and everyone's like. Everyone's like, it looks like a movie. No, it's not a movie. <laughs> no. Unfortunately. This is unbearably incomprehensible to understand what was going on in that, in that moment. Agreed. It's ridiculous. It's just the skyscrapers swaying back and forth. I know, forth. I know. I'm unbearable. The, the tsunami images, I mean. So we send our, our, our thoughts, love, hope, and prayers. And um, once the Red Cross officially has a Japanese fund, um, I will be making a donation to the Red Cross. Everyone was donating to the Red Cross, but none of that money was going to Japan because right. they hadn't created the channel yet for it. Yeah. You couldn't say to them, only give this money to, to Japanese uh, relief because they didn't have it. So once this fit, it's official on the Red Cross website, I will be making a donation. I hope you guys will consider making a donation um, to the Red Cross. for You can make it, make it in my name. In your name? Sure. Will you shave down? And we've come full circle. I know. Well, you know what? Actually, I just wanted to say on a side note, I sort of hate the news reports that say, could it happen here? Because I feel like that diverts attention away from Japan where it actually did happen. Yet, you know, it actually does. I mean, you you know, the the, the only validity to that, I think, is you do want to be prepared. You want to sort of try to learn a lesson when it happens somewhere else. Right. It could happen. Um, I do happen to live near Indian Point, nuclear reactor facility. And I did actually last year uh, go around because they give you these sort of morning. Um, I hear Robert Kennedy Jr. is a big fan. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very active in the community. Not not yeah. Uh, and I tried to get the 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 uh, iodine tablets that they tell you to buy uh, just in case something should go awry as it did in Japan. Couldn't find couldn't find the appropriate uh, iodine tablets within like a 50 mile radius of my home, which was a little disconcerting, but. Anyway, iodine. Just, that's for the radiation. Just it's go to any thing. high school chemistry class. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just rate and that. Just rate yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It, you don't need any. There's no science there. Just steal it. Sure. Yep. Not in a few dissected frogs. And, yes. Yeah. Nothing okay. like a, a a frog spleen to go <laughs> to protect you against radiation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wear it around your neck. There's, right. an, there's an app for that. <laughs> there's an app for that. There definitely is. 
Um, I want to just briefly mention that our friends at Cancer and Careers, who launched their brand-new website two weeks ago, and it's fantastic, at cancerandcareers.org, is having a uh, – this is not really for the news, but I just we're very excited about this. They're having a um, uh, an Ask the Experts, if you would, uh, fee, uh, what do they call that, like a coaching webinar the, session. The, the thing with the thing. The thing with yeah. the thing, yeah. If you go to cancerandcareers.org, this is really cool, Ask the Experts, executive coaching uh, on careers and legal issues, just good stuff. Anyway, just wanted to mention that because I'm very excited about it. Anyway. Yes, they're good people. So as far as um, what else is in the news? Um St. Patrick's Day coming up. My national Drunk holiday. Irish people. Yes. Yeah. Kenny, will you shave down for St. Saint- <laughs> no. Why would I? Why would I get rid of my red hair for the holiday? <laughs> Actually, he has a point there. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. And the conflict of St. Baldrick's. Yes. I don't think I I could shave. Right. Wait. It's also Thursday. <laughs> no. Well, that's why they isn't. Don't they center St. Baldrick's around? I have no idea. Saint what are you Day? What are you talking about? St. Baldrick's is a fundraiser for Cure Search. Which is used oh. to be the children's ecology group, and um, where people shave their heads to fundraise for pediatric cancer research. Right, gotcha. Speaking of which, I will just tie into uh, a brief semi plug about an essay that I wrote last week, which got rave reviews, called the the forgotten moral imperative for pediatric cancer. And I would encourage everyone to go to my Facebook page, check out my notes. It's my most recent note. The forgotten moral imperative for pediatric cancer talks about basically the gist being that ever since the word cure now means quality of life, the balance of life, and not just the five-year survival rate, um, when all of these children who now don't die from cancer and, and sort of graduate into young adulthood, the cure no longer applies to them because they get dumped into a system that doesn't know how to deal with them, that doesn't coach them through issues of fertility, issues of chronic condition management, issues of insurance, navigation, dating, fertility, and if you're raising money for pediatric cancer research and you're trying to cure cancer in little kids, it's not about the acute. It's not about being frozen in time when they're seven. And then when they're 27, they have issues. They join the young adult community, and they need your help too. So my argument is very simple. Pediatric cancer foundations and the corporations that support them should throw some of their money at young adult cancer because we are the pick-up what's next for the dumpster babies of pediatric survivorship. End of story. And it's not okay. And it's not okay. While we're talking about that, should we talk about another piece that you happen to be quoted in? Ethan Zons, our friend from uh, Survivor. Yes, tonic. Yes. Good piece. Yep. And uh, Something about Obama, right? Well, he just once again uh, reinstates why he feels that it's important uh, for that Obama signed into law our new health care plan and basically points out, uh, you know, how he was a young guy who didn't think, you know, he had insurance through an employer for a time and, didn't think he really needed it, and all of a sudden, when he had insane bills like, you know, a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar stem cell transplant and seven thousand dollar drugs and whatnot, um, you know, he points out that pre-existing conditions are now history. You can't lose your insurance uh, within six months. No person can be dropped from their insurance plan when they receive a diagnosis of cancer or any other disease. An end to lifetime caps on your benefits more coverage for young adults, you know, you can stay on your parents' coverage up to the age of 26, yep. and support for clinical trials, you know, by 2014, uh, the law prohibits new health plans from dropping or limiting coverage just because an individual is enrolled into the clinical trial. So for our folks out there, uh, these are pretty key. So it's not a perfect, it's a big deal. It's it not is a perfect okay. plan, yeah. it's not a perfect plan, as he points out, but in terms of those five points, uh, that's a step in the right direction for the 70,000 young adults who are diagnosed with cancer a year. I agree. And uh, last but not least, we have some big news tonight here on the show, really, really big news. We are launching a uh, or piloting a launch of this new way to engage in stupid cancer. We have the show. We have our forums. We have these uh, our blog, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the OMG Summit. We have our boot camps, our communities, our chapters, all of our hospital networks. But I'm going to let Kenny talk about what this uh, this new thing is which we're going to be pushing really heavily at the OMG Summit. Yeah. Go ahead. It's great. We were recently approached by the band The Blacklist Royals uh, to go out on the Warp Tour with them and be uh, the featured charity for their booth. So we figured what a great opportunity to launch our very own street team because a lot of times people will come to us and say, you know, what can I do? How can I get involved? And that's a very open-ended question. 
especially when you say it to Matt, because the next thing you know, you'll be hired and have a job, uh, in my case. Yes, only in your case. Only in my case, until further funding. So we launched the Stupid Cancer Street Team, which you can find at stupidcancerarmy.com, which will bring you to a website where you can check out our stuff, sign up. Uh, There are a micro set of forums, not to be confused with our Stupid Cancer forums, which are more on the clinical side. Uh, This is really for the everyday person who wants to get involved. You can uh, do orders and uh, do activities for points and rise your rank on the site and cash in your points for some Stupid Cancer swag, including T-shirts, hoodies, wristbands, mugs, you name it. And the opportunity to shave down Kenny. Yes. (laughs) Always. <laughs> that, 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 will, that will get you a lot of points. <laughs> so, we're, so we're, we're really looking forward to it. So it's, it's stupidcancerarmy.com. It is. Stupid Cancer Army. So It just sounds like we've been waiting to say that all these years. Right. Join the Army. Join the Army. Matthew Zachary wants you. <laughs> what? Matthew Zachary is not part of the Army. Matthew Zachary is too old for this. You are. I'm going to watch the Army do its thing, and you're in charge. Okay. I live near West Point. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just going to break out all the reference points as we so talk. So you live near a nuclear power plant <laughs> nice. and a military base. Uh-huh. You're in good shape. Nicely situated between the two. They might neutral each other out if something happens. If the shit hits the fan, yeah. I'm running a West Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should just start swimming to Spain. That's a long way. Yeah, but at least you get a head start. Yeah. What? Sure. No, no, no. You should you should start moving west because the winds blow east. I can, I have the Hudson River. I have to swim north. Maybe I'll make it to Nova Scotia. That's true. <laughs> That's. I don't think you can swim to Nova Scotia. It's probably, landlocked. Probably not. And then the island itself, you got to get. All right. It's like swimming yeah. to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's go. To, uh, I can't speak. Let's get to our survivor spotlight tonight. And uh, once again, because I screwed up the uh, the sound cues, we'll just go back. I can back take to, this. You can take Matthew? this. Matthew. Yes, you can. One second. Let me make sure this works. And dear God, please help. There you go. All right. Ryan Hosley has been a type 1 diabetic for 10 years. Currently, Ryan works as an assistant project manager for a Chicago-based digital marketing agency. Ryan has been involved with Jimmy Insulin, our featured guest tonight. Since That is a group, not a person. We'll find out more about that since September 2009. And since then, he's lost 20 pounds brought his A1C below 7. What's that? He'll tell us what that means exactly. And he's run two half marathons and numerous 5Ks, 10Ks, 15Ks, with the goal of completing the 2011 Chicago Marathon. So he's got a lot to tell us about in terms of what he can achieve, has achieved, jimmyinsulin.org. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Hosley. Ryan. Hello. Hello. Ryan, I already don't like you because you make me feel fatter than I am. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? Welcome hey. aboard. How are you? Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, we, we lost a bet. What was the bet? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make a funny. I'm trying. I'm a uh, Never mind. It's well, not even worth it. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy said that if I if I if I wouldn't date him, uh, you had to come on the show. <laughs> Nobody knows what to make of that. No, I'm just I was speaking in tongues tonight. <laughs> We've already clubbed a lot of the shows. So Th- this show is over. Yeah. You can go home now. <laughs> anyway, welcome aboard. We're, it's great to have you, and it's all you, Liz. Oh, no. Uh, well, I, I promised the folks that we would explain uh, what it means that you brought your, as a type 1 diabetic, what it means that you brought your A1C below 7. What the heck does that mean? So basically what A1C is, it uh, tracks your uh, average blood glucose levels for the past three months. Um, And the number usually you want to shoot for is 7.2 or below. Um, Now, when I was in college, uh, the number was right around 8. So that would be the equivalent of, you know, just being poorly managed. Um, So, yeah, I got it down below 7.2 to about a 6.4. Uh, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, so uh, that's okay. I don't want to we'll, make we'll it seem like it. Numbers are pretty. Don't worry. Yeah, you know, numbers. The numbers don't lie. Um, so I got up down to uh, 6.4, and uh, yeah, I mean, it basically is just uh, a good sign. Uh, that's, that's, that your, sounds like a that sounds like a very good thing. All right, so let's back up a bit and tell us about your diagnosis and some of the issues that you faced, and in particular. Uh, we can sort of assess here how they kind of relate to, you know, why all young adult diseases suck and sort of the, the issues that we all kind of face going through not-so-fun stuff. Right. 
Um, well, I got diagnosed at the age of 12, so that was 10 years ago. Um, you know, and like any other kid, I was just living a normal life, um, you know, doing everything normal. Uh, I had a great diet. I wasn't doing anything different from anything. Uh, there was no reason for getting diagnosed. It just happened. Um, and it changed my whole entire life completely. You know, I had to take shots every day, test my blood sugar eight to ten times a day, bring a little box with all my medication everywhere I went. Um, it was, it seemed like at the time a living hell because I thought to, my, uh, to myself, you know, there goes my social life, basically. Um, yeah. But in the sense of, you know, there were things that I could have done, like gone to diabetes camp, but I didn't want to do that. I went to skateboard camp instead. That sounds um, like a lot more fun than diabetes camp. Yeah, it was camp. great. It was it was a great time. Um, you know, so I made I made the diabetes work for most of my uh, most of my adolescence. But um, coming at such a because with type one it usually happens earlier than age twelve. So it was kind of like in the middle of my adolescence and right before puberty. So then I had to deal with puberty, high school, stress, hormones, which fluctuates your blood sugars completely. You know, it makes you gain weight um, unknowingly, and it's just a very high stress level um, to deal with uh, when you get diabetes at uh, such a young age. So what else? So tell us about then your daily kind of maintenance and kind of physical barriers, uh, the other physical barriers that you have with this illness. So basically, what I do um, is every time I wake up, I check my blood sugar, um, and basically the way it's measured is between uh, 100 to 140 milligrams per deciliter. Uh, I know I'm throwing some more numbers at you, but uh, that basically that just tracks. Um, it's just like that's what my doctor gave me, that's what I wanted to be between. So if it's any higher or lower, um, higher means I need to take more insulin, lower means I need to take more uh, sugar, like a glucose tablet or a fruit snack. Um, so I check that uh, blood sugar about 8 to 10 times a day. Um, and I also have a... 8 to 10 times pump. a day, wow. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so oh, it's, come you on, know, you could do better than that. <laughs> You know, I've, I've I've had to check it 24 times a day once just for, uh, there you go. for my doctor. Wow. At least yeah. that's consistent. That's once an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good pattern there. Yeah. You can't forget. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, then I also wear an insulin pump, which is basically uh, feeding me a steady stream of insulin on a daily basis. Um, so primarily like what type 1 diabetes is is that your immune system thinks that your pancreas, which produces insulin, is an infection and kills all your insulin cells. So essentially, I have no insulin cells right. left. Um, so the insulin pump basically feeds me uh, a daily stream every day, and I have to monitor that as well based upon my blood sugars that I check uh, every did, did hour. You, did you ever feel, because you were diagnosed so young, that you did this to yourself, or was it explained to you early on that this is not your fault? It was explained to me right away that this wasn't my fault, and I understood that because um, my mother, uh, she was the one that basically pointed out that what was going on. Um, one of her friends from high school had the same symptoms and was brought in uh, for type 1 diabetes treatment. And when I was seeing the same symptoms, such as uh, constant urination, uh, you know, losing 10 pounds in two weeks, uh, uh, staying up all night, and just uh, night sweats, my mom said, okay, something's up, let's go into the doctor. So they explained it pretty easily. Uh, the doctors were very nice, and they said it was either going to be mono or diabetes. So I was kind of crossing my fingers for mono, <laughs> uh, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was. Uh, they explained it really easily, and I understood that it wasn't my fault. So I never really thought it was my fault. I just kind of was more of a why did it happen to me type of questioning. Yeah, and how did you, which a lot of, again, our, our listeners can relate to, how did you sort of deal with this psychologically going through high school and college and then kind of looking for work after that? You know, it was um, it was really hard because in high school I didn't know anybody that had type 1, type one diabetes. Um, like I said, I didn't want to be a part of going to camps. Um, I just really avoided everything. I just wanted to fit in. So the way I dealt with it was just 
um, simple. You know, I I thought, okay, if I just take insulin every time I eat, I'll be fine. If I check my blood sugar, I'll be fine. But there were times where I avoided that, and it got a little out of control. Um, knock on wood, I've never been to the emergency room uh, for, you know, for like a seizure or a uh, diabetic episode. Um, so... I never, but I never had somebody that was there that was a type 1 diabetic that was my age. You know, I had met people through high school um, that were type 1 diabetics, but they were 35 years old or 40 years old, so I couldn't really relate to them, you know. And, yeah. Um, so I, I really, you know, I, handling it was uh, kind of on my own. How old were you roughly started to with respect to this whole, you know, need for age-appropriate peer support, how long mm-hmm. did it take you to meet somebody like yourself who could really understand what you were going through, and at what age did that happen? So when I, because um, I'm originally from Chicago, and I started my first two years off in college down in Florida at Florida Atlantic University, and I decided to come back to Chicago because I missed home. And the year I came back, I was introduced to um, Jeremy Weisbach of Jimmy Insulin uh, through a friend of mine, and he said that he's starting this organization that does peer-to-peer diabetes support. And at this time, it was um, kind of an epiphany in my life where I thought I need a change in my life. I need, you know, I need to better it. At this point, I was 235 pounds. Uh, my A1C, like I said, was an 8.0. Uh, my blood sugars were running above 200 every day. It was just, it was messy, and I, I couldn't get control of it. So I thought, okay, I would like to meet with Jimmy Insulin and see what everything's about and, and help in any way I could. So I met Jeremy, and um, I offered my services uh, to intern um, as a marketing assistant and also just a, a overall volunteer for the organization. Um, and through that, it kind of organically happened that Jeremy became a mentor but also a really good friend of mine. Um, and we're pretty close in age, about four or five years uh, apart. Um, but through his story that I read on the Internet as well, it was the same thing as mine, I believe. And I felt once I read that story, I need to meet this person. Because like, this, this person has been through something that I've been going through my whole life, and I want to figure out how he's gotten over it and what he's doing to get over it and just talk to him on a you know, one-on-one support basis. And I guess uh, we have to wrap up, but we're going to cut to the news and have you guys back in uh, in sort of like a three-way uh, radio uh, roundtable in a sense. But could you just briefly express how significant or how sort of cathartic or perhaps the, the, the breakthrough moment it was for you to know that there were other young adult diabetics out there that you could finally meet and get in touch with and then seek out others who did not know that this organization existed. How, how did that change your life? You know, it, it really was, like I, I said, like an epiphany because before, um, you know, before I met Jeremy and Jimmy Insulin, um, I was athletic, but I wasn't, you know, looking to do anything, uh, you know, big in my life. I thought running around, you know, the track one time was a big deal. Um, so when I met Jeremy, I thought, you know, anything's possible as a type 1 diabetic. There's, there's people I know that I met uh, through Jeremy that are uh, marathon runners that have climbed Mount Everest as type 1 diabetics, and it just it was pretty relieving to know that diabetes isn't really a crutch. It's just a, a speed bump that you have to get over. Um, so I basically got my act together, uh, got some running shoes, uh, and started hitting the streets and uh, ran two half marathons since I've known Jimmy Insulin. And uh, I plan on running, running the 2011 Chicago full marathon this year with the Jimmy Insulin running team. And so this whole, it, this whole process made you lazy. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Insulin was a wake-up, basically. Good, good. Well, on that note, we're going we're gonna to cut to the news, and we'll bring you guys back in about uh, five or six minutes. So um, okay. let's just so hang tight and uh, let's hit the news here. Ready? Hopefully this segment will work. Ready? Hello, I'm Yay. Ken Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am.
All right, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on. And they're all free, and they're all just for young adults. Things like happy hours, retreats, kayaking, and mountain climbing trips, finance, webinars, college scholarships, bar curls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you have something coming up that you would like to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send us an email at info at stupidcancer.com. That's info at stupidcancer.com. All right, everybody, head on over to events.stupidcancer.com, events.stupidcancer.com. It's your one-stop shop calendar for all of our Stupid Cancer events nationwide and even Canada. We love Canada. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. All right, and we have Stupid Cancer events coming up in New Orleans, March 24th, here in New York, March 31st, up in Boston on April 2nd, in New Jersey on uh, April 5th, and again, once again, in New Orleans on April 21st. And please support Team Stupid Cancer, our running team for the New York City Half Marathon on March 20th by visiting TeamStupidCancer.com and making a donation toward their fundraising goals, and that includes Kenny, K- Kenny Kane, who might shave down. Yes. And that's this Sunday, brother. Yeah, this Sunday. This Sunday. Hey, Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. I'm wearing my shoes right now for good luck. The, uh, <laughs> oh, you're doomed. The fourth annual OMG Summit is fully sold out, but we have started the waiting list. It has a few dozen people on it, so now is the time to ensure that you might get to ensure that you might get to the OMG Summit and increase your odds of being there. With when someone cancels, we are expecting cancellations. Visit omg2011.org today. Omg2011.org. And the Stupid Cancer forums are on fire, 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 fire. Thanks Indeed. to Kenny Kane, taking off like lightning rod, and we don't want you missing out on the awesome new online community we're building. Really incredible stuff that people are posting. Uh, head on over to stupidcancerforums.com, stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up with one click through Facebook and join over 350. I think that's well over it, what? It's 425, 425 now. 425, yeah. This is old news. 425 yeah. survivors, caregivers, and providers who are making a stink, a stink about stupid cancer. All right. Every Tuesday night, our friends at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society present YA Connect tomorrow night, uh, live at, I think it's 8 o'clock. Uh, a free interactive webcast supporting young adults with cancer. Check it out at lls.org forward slash YA Connect. And as always, be sure to register yourself with Immerman Angels, our partner in one-to-one peer matching at immermanangels.org, and check out the calendar for First Descent, the premier outdoor adventure organization for YA's young adults with cancer. YA's, you know. Online. Yeah. At, yeah. Online at firstdescents.com. They host dozens of retreats and excursions each year. And that is your Stupid Cancer News. I, I actually have something to add. All right. Head on over to Team Stupid Cancer on Facebook and check out our official race car. Uh, the TH Motorsports is racing. Oh, right. We have a race oh, car. Oh, that's really cool. Yes. We have a race we car. We have our logo and, on a race car. And it's a Subi. It's a Subaru. Oh, it is a Subaru. So, hey, I own a Subaru. You do. So they're racing for our benefit. And uh, they're looking for sponsors, and it's going to be on the Versus Network. NASCAR? What, uh, what, what circuit it, is this? It's a, uh, like I know what I'm talking about. I, I forget what the challenge it's is called. It's a ginger circuit. It's a reality show. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a reality it's, show it's circuit? A, it's, it's a, a Simon Cowell Network. Yes. It's, uh, it's not Formula One. It's actually, what am I, I, I know is more than formula, you guys. Is it Formula Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's what Kobe and Hannah <laughs> uh No, it's, it's what, NASCAR, Kenny? Uh, no, it's a uh, it's like a private circuit. Rally car? They're uh, monster trucks. Think think Fast and the Furious. Okay. Yeah. Fat cars that like go fast. Oh. So Vin Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel. Tokyo Drift. Correct. Okay. Fantastic. Yes. All right. <laughs> let's Good get stuff. our let's get our guests back on. This is a fitting intro to them. We like this. All right. You, All take, of us. you take Meredith. I'll take Jeremy. You up, Matt? You want me to do Meredith first? Yeah. Here we go. go ahead. Meredith Schwartz was diagnosed 10 years ago with type 1 diabetes at age 25. She's part of a growing segment of the population being diagnosed with insulin-dependent diabetes as an adult. Meredith serves as Jimmy Insulin's marketing director. She's committed to helping Jimmy Insulin grow and also to help countless other diabetics take control of their lives and their, live their lives to the fullest. All right, and Mr. Jeremy Weisbeck was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 9 and has now been living with type 1 for over 20 years. 
two years ago, he started Jimmy Insulin, a nonprofit social enterprise. My favorite words after the favorite two words that come after the word nonprofit that provide free one-on-one peer-to-peer diabetes support. He started the organization to provide inspiration, motivation, support, and encouragement to anyone touched by diabetes. Please welcome Meredith Schwartz and Jeremy Weisbach. Hello. Hi. Thanks for Good evening. Us. Hello. Now, before you even say one word, I have a special uh, special thing to play for you guys. Ready? This ever moment is brought to you by Everman Angels. Be well, number one. That was just for you. <laughs> Explain why, Matthew. Johnny Immerman, the uh, young adult testicular cancer survivor, friend of the show, friend of mine, founder of Immerman Angels one-on-one peer support for young adults with cancer, is on your board of directors, and he threatened me under penalty of being hugged too much that we have to get you on the show. <laughs> He's a hugger. Yes. <laughs> That's Johnny. Yes. I can only take so many hugs, only so many hugs from Johnny before I get tired. I said, all right. Stop hugging me. We'll get him on the show. <laughs> so I'm so glad to have you guys. It was a long time coming. We met, I think, in, like, November or December or something, and it's it's. I'm very excited to have the show. We're both very hey. excited, and we have a question right off the bat. Maybe Jeremy wants to feel this. Jimmy Insulin. Your name is not Jimmy. It's Jeremy. Tell us how you came up with that name other than the fact that obviously we know it rhymes. Kind of. Sort of? Jimmy Insulin. Yeah. That'd be it's Jimmy. Jimmy. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it's not it's, about belly buttons. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, at the beginning of college, uh, some of my close friends um, just started just started calling me that. And since we're on the radio, I'll give you the true breakdown of how it transformed. So I'm Jewish, just like you, MZ. Ooh. And I became friends, you know, with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You can't say that on the show when I can't give this up. All right, anyway, go on. Sorry. Um, so I became friends with uh, a bunch of Italian guys, so my close friends today, and my name was too Jewish, so they changed my name to Jimmy, and then Jimmy Insulin came about. It had a nice ring to it. It kind of stuck. So my friends have been calling me it for the past eight or nine years now. So it's like you could be the diabetic character on The Sopranos if it were still on the air. <laughs> Jimmy Insulin. Yeah. <laughs> So let me get this straight. Moisha Needleberg wouldn't work, right? Okay. Come on, I I worked in branding. I worked in branding, people. Moisha Needleberg. It it also uh, signifies the fact that anyone can be. We we like to spotlight Jimmy Insulin as just a you know powerful image in the diabetic community where. Any normal person can be Jimmy Insulin. Any normal person that gets diabetes, whether they're a female, male, child, mother, father, grandparents, anyone can be Jimmy Insulin and be a part of this new organization. We call it a blessing or a curse, but diabetes is non-discriminatory. One of the things I wanted to ask you, when I launched I'm Too Young for this, uh, like so much stuff happened in the first couple of months because there really wasn't anything very cohesive uh, that let young adults know there were other people out there that they could meet and then get introduced to all the great organizations out there that support them. When you launched this, did you find like there was this magic wellspring of, wow, all these people are finally like, it's about damn time, where were you when I needed you? Um, you can lie and say no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, somewhat, but there's a lot of other organizations that – uh, try to achieve this model. They just don't put all of their resources into it. So, um, you know, like someone like Ryan was very eager to get involved because he wasn't aware of the other organizations that do this. But we, the only, the only thing that we do, period, is one-on-one support, and that's how we are set apart from not the competition, but from other organizations that are trying to achieve the one-on-one model. I think what I'm seeing is there is a wealth of um, type 1 diabetics um, who really are excited to help others. Um, and as soon as Jim Insulin, uh, you know, was born, I think there's been a lot of people getting excited to get out there and really serve as those peer supporters, as those mentors. Um, and I think Jimmy Insulin is just coming upon a tipping point where those uh, people are really um, ready to get out there and find those people 
to want support and need support because I think the challenge is while a lot of newly diagnosed and challenged diabetics want and need support, they're kind of a little more timid to say, hey, help me. Right. Um, so we have a lot of people, you know, really, really gearing to go and help those people. We just got to get the word out and say, hey, we are here to help you and just hope that they're ready to um, approach us and say, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to seek your support. So what are some of the top issues when folks come to your organization that they really need help talking through with their with with a peer? Um I think that varies. I think it varies with age. I think it varies um how old you are now, how old you were when you were diagnosed. Um some of the issues could be with just day-to-day living. How do you know how much insulin to take? How do you know what kind of foods are okay and what it will do to your body? While others are bigger things, how how did you approach, you know, um, I'm, I'm a type 1 diabetic who just had a baby. How do you deal with Marvel pregnancy? Talk. Thank you. <laughs> how do you deal with pregnancy? How do you deal with, you know, the, the bigger issues in life, um, bigger fears, bigger bigger opportunities and, and the risks that come along with it. Um, it. It really goes from the day-to-day to, to big mountains. Do you find that you tend to attract young adults who are diagnosed as diabetics early on in their teens or, or single digits, or do you find um, more people coming to you as young adults diagnosed as young adults? Both. Both. We have interest from pretty much all the parties. And do you, do, you, do you cap your age at a certain point? No. So um, it's anyone. No, I think it's, it's really open to anyone and everyone. Um, I think what's a great opportunity for Jimmy and Flynn is to talk to that underserved segment of people who are diagnosed as young adults. Um, type 1 is more commonly known as juvenile. Um, right. I think in, in our world, we understand that type 1 and juvenile are the same. But in the world of uh, the, the, you know, greater society doesn't necessarily understand that, and they don't know that there's this underserved segment of people who are being diagnosed, like myself, at age 25. And I think Jimmy Insulin is a great opportunity for um, those diabetics who are getting diagnosed as young adults, in addition to those getting, you know, more traditionally diagnosed as juveniles. Um, so you- we kind of are capturing, including and capturing people from all segments. And do you, I mean, yeah, I plead ignorance to diabetes. For, uh, I guess the one disease I haven't gotten yet, <laughs> I've had cancer and stroke <laughs> and everything else, not even the diabetes. So if I'm pre-diabetic, uh, I will thank you in advance for your support. But that said, do you deal with type 2 diabetes as well? Um, we do on a case-by-case basis. Initially, I started this organization to help kids and young adults with type 1, but 90% of the diabetic population are type 2, so we want to help type 2s. Um, we just, the majority of our mentors and guides in our organization currently are type 1. And explain the difference so, for folks out there just between type 1 and type 2, so everybody's clear on that. Um, okay, type type 1 is known as um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer this one to Meredith. She handles our PR, too. <laughs> nice. Sure. Um, type 1 is what's known as juvenile diabetes, um, and it's insulin-dependent. Um, again, any of this can happen at any age. It's basically your body stops producing um, insulin. The cells that produce insulin are uh, killed off, the red is viruses. And so you need to take um, injections of insulin. While type 2 is, you'll hear it more as lifestyle-based. Your body is still producing insulin, which, um, sorry, I'll I'll rewind a little bit. Um, Insulin is a hormone that digests the sugar in your bloodstream. And so your body is still producing, as a type 2, is still producing insulin. It's just not working properly. So you can take oral medication as a type 2. You can use diet and exercise to help control the condition and manage it, while as type 1, you must inject insulin. 
Got it. Okay. Got it. That's pretty clear. We have actually a very good question from our live chat room here. Uh, and the question is, what is the best way to be helpful and supportive of a friend with diabetes? That's a great question. Um, yeah. and is this coming from a person who's not diabetic, who has a friend who's diabetic? Uh, not quite sure. We're, we're not sure. We'll let's, go, so. let's, yeah, let's, so, yeah. let's go under that assumption. Okay. Um, so the, I mean, there's, there's, di- there's a thing called diabetes etiquette where, um, and this is a method that was developed by Dr. Polanski out in California, and I love it because he uh, makes a ground for diabetes criminals, which are the diabetics themselves, and then the diabetes police, which are friends and caregivers and family members and anyone that's supporting a diabetic. So as a friend, I believe that it's good to offer support and help when someone, when a diabetic is looking for information, but you can't overstep your boundaries, meaning you can ask someone if they're feeling all right, and that's perfectly fine, but you don't want to you know, be looking over their shoulder when they're testing their blood sugar and wanting to know what it is and then commenting on it saying like, oh, is that too high or that's too high, that's too low, you should go eat this or take some more insulin because as diabetics we know what to do and we don't want our friend telling us how to do it, but we want them to be supportive and understanding of the condition and, you know, whether we're going out to eat and, a friend, uh, you know, wants to make a few suggestions, you always have to give extra time to allow someone who's diabetic prepare for an event, whether it's a meal or an exercise activity. And you also, I believe in always being um, positive. So maybe sharing stories of uh, inspirational athletes with diabetes or movie stars or uh, rock stars. I think the key is just to be positive. That's a great answer. I'm also looking at another. Sorry, was Meredith chiming in there, or am I hearing things? Well, how old are you? I think you're hearing things there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to read it. Uh, Matt, you want to jump in? I'm trying to yeah, read the question, a question is, in the chat room. Here. I was recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, never had before. My doctor is blaming the cancer. I was also hypoglycemic. Anyone else have a diagnosis late in life? That's question ish. But it's definitely a question. Can okay, this person's co- 30 now and had a cancer diagnosis at 25, it right. looks like. Right. So can diabetes type 2 or type 1 be a latent cause of chemotherapy, I guess, is, is sort of the question. Or result of. Yes. Um, I'm not aware of any connection. We'll get our well, maybe letters our, our chairman of the board. We'll Might, get him back yeah. to, to to talk through that but medically. So has there never ever been any link between diabetes and cancer, other than like the risks of lifestyle that could lead to either? I'm, yeah, not that I know of. I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I'm just a diabetic boy. <laughs> I'm just, I only know that's your teacher, dude. I'm just a diabetic. <laughs> so educate me. I I have known many diabetics. I have not made the effort to understand how challenging the lifestyle is and managing blood sugar. But I, I had a question. Um, obviously, this was a, a disease that killed people 20, 30 years ago. It's still a major issue. But is it? Are, are you living with it now? Are there enough medications? Is it possible to live a healthy, uh, fulfilling quality of life through the balance of your life with this disease now? Without a doubt. The thing is, um, forget everything you hear and read about in the media for this radio show because the media focuses on complications and type 2 diabetes. It doesn't show success stories of people living and thriving with diabetes. There are professional athletes in football, baseball, basketball, Olympic skiers, professional race car drivers that manage their diabetes successfully and can perform these outrageous jobs and responsibilities while managing their diabetes. Mm-hmm. And with the technology today, with um, insulin pumps, and so, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people would have to take manual injections of insulin. And if they were taking a long-acting insulin, it would supposedly kick in 
over a duration of 12 hours or 24 hours at an even rate to sustain the blood sugar level. Now with insulin pumps going mainstream, and all three of us in the room right now have them, you can fine tune your pump so it pretty much like it'll illustrate or work hand in hand with your body. So if my body needs more insulin between the hours of five and eight in the morning, which it does, I just make a few adjustments on my pump with my doctor and then it'll help stabilize me. And uh, I mean, the, the, there, there's not really any limits. The only thing that diabetes does is it makes you have to work harder and be more disciplined and stay in control. As Jeremy said, there's, there's really nothing you can't do as a diabetic. Um, it's really a matter of understanding and a lot, you know, a little extra planning um, and a little ex and a few extra supplies. And uh, the three, as Jeremy noted, the three of us are all on insulin pumps. But for about eight years, I was taking injections, um, and I still did not limit me. My management and health were as quote unquote healthy as possible, just being a diabetic. And you know, I accomplished some things in my life. Um, that, that I'm proud to share. I mean, I went scuba diving great white sharks, and I climbed Machu Picchu, and I did all this while I was taking injections as a type 1 diabetic. Um, so there's really no limit to what you can do. Life is absolutely livable. You can do anything you want to do, just um, a few extra, you know, a little extra planning and a few extra supplies. Well, our, first of all, stop making me feel lazier than I am. And secondly, Seriously? you alluded, we're all losers here. I'm exhausted <laughs> just hearing about all that you've yeah. done. Machu yes. Picchu? I'm, I'm really tired right now. I can barely walk up a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have diabetes, so what's our excuse? Yeah. I've, you, you alluded to this before, Jeremy. Um, what do you suppose the top stigmas are or perceptions? Like if I heard that you're a diabetic, do I immediately presume that you you're it's type two diabetes and not type one, or what is what do you seem to face? Sort of like how if you say you have lung cancer, they assume you're a smoker. T talk to us about that. I'm curious. I mean, I, in my opinion, when when I see people on the street, and I mean, I wear a Jimmy Insulin shirt every day. They ask me what it is. I tell them I'm a diabetic. The first thing they're they look at me cross-eyed because they think of diabetics as people are fat and lazy and don't do what they should do to live healthy lives and that's a direct result of the media right so diabetes uh -huh. is a self-induced disease is the general public perception right right and we as type ones don't have a choice right. even if we ran 10 miles a day which and you do <laughs> and eat only vegetables and protein and low carb Which and you probably low do. sugar diet. And uh, <laughs> the diabetes is here for life, and it's not going anywhere, and it never sleeps. And, and there, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to jump in talking about all the all that you do and all your achievements. Uh, let's go back to Meredith. You had a baby. Were there any risks involved with childbirth? What was that experience like for you as as a diabetic? Sure, it was. Uh, it was surprisingly easy for being a, a, a high-risk pregnancy. Um, I mean, I was in great control. I, the, the risks are basically uh, diabetics um, can tend to have higher birth weight babies. Higher um, birth weight, you said? Yes. Okay. Con controlling my condition during that pregnancy, um, I was, you know, Ryan alluded to how, much you, how many times you test your sugar a day. I probably doubled that. Um, so it's just constantly making sure my sugar was within normal range, um, and I definitely kept a healthier diet. I did go to a high-risk obstetrician group, so I saw the doctors more often, um, you know, got more ultrasounds, got a few more tests, got, you know, and just had tighter care and control. Right. Um, but as long as you, you know, keep your sugars within the, the expected range, mm -hmm. uh, it was... It was completely manageable and had a, a natural childbirth, and everybody is healthy, happy and healthy. That's great. So basically just you watch your sugar levels as always, and you were just, it sounds like, just more closely monitored. Yes. And that's progress. That's incredible progress, that's right? Great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the highest risk is they 
you know, they, they don't let you go to 40 weeks, which is something I learned during the pregnancy and I didn't know. They will um, induce you at 39, which is just a week. You're already at term. It's just a week before. Right. That, you know, they don't, if you go into labor before then, then they let you, have not, you know, go into labor. But if not, they will induce you just so they can control the delivery process. It doesn't mean anything is going to happen. There are no fears and no bigger risks. It's just so they can control it and, um, you know, have tighter management over that. And that was really the only big condition that I learned throughout the pregnancy. Interesting. So let's talk more about the organization then as a whole. Uh, Growing the organization, you're two years old now. What are your plans for the future going forward? Where would you like to take Jimmy Insulin? What would you like to see? Um, I mean, in the near future, uh, within the next five years, we'd like to take it to a national level. And we already have a few guides on the East Coast and the West Coast, but, you know, with the with the abundance of technology, it's so easy to connect people. And we're not looking to make a diabetes Facebook. You know, we talk to every beginner and every guide that comes into the organization and we do a very organic matching process. But in the long term, we'd like to go international. And, you know, there's 25 million people living with diabetes in the United States, and there's around 250 million in the world. And all of them can benefit from one-on-one support, you know, either serving as guides or as beginners. I'd just like to reiterate what the mission of Jimmy Insulin is. I'm not sure if we've touched on that specifically. Um, Go for it. Well, we, yeah. Yeah, what we'd like to do is we mentioned that we have this body of um, di- experienced diabetics who are serving as our guides, and we want to offer this peer-to-peer support uh, and make it very personal. So if a you know, challenged or newly diagnosed diabetic comes to the organization, to set them up with someone who has overcome similar challenges, comes from a similar background. So they can get the kind of support that they need as an individual, whether that's about day-to-day management, whether that's about talking to someone once a month just to talk about maybe upcoming doctor's tests, but really tailor the support to what each um, newly diagnosed or or a challenge diabetic, a beginner, is really looking for to help them overcome whatever challenges that they might be confronting in their experience, in their journey. Um, well so said. I think going forward, thank you. I think going forward, we'd like to just try and reach as many um, support seekers as possible and sign up as many guides to help them and eventually transition any diabetic beginner who comes aboard to make them feel confident enough and make them successful enough in their journey to then transition into a, a Jimmy Insulin guide and start helping others, as Ryan has done. So you want to build your alumni network to, to, to the Immerman Army of Diabetes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and still Jewish, which is good. <laughs> and, and, and we are non-denominational. <laughs> <laughs> They're Unitarian diabetics. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, nationally prominent folks who thrive in their careers with uh, type 1 diabetes. You guys are way too young to know her, I'm sure. But Mary Tyler Moore, uh, right. long-time spokesperson for juvenile diabetes and has been lived Wasn't lived she on it. Three's Company? <laughs> <laughs> no, not Suzanne Summers. Not Joyce DeWitt. Way back into the 70s, even before the 80s. That's when the 70s came, before the 80s. I'm so bad at math. Um <laughs> But anyway, for the for the few of our constituency who, who do know who she is, uh, somebody who's lived with diabetes and had about as big of a show business career as somebody could have. Mm-hmm. But anyway. But, I mean, let's face it. You guys are young and hip. I like that idea. I, I, I hope you can attract more young and we, hip we people. Sh- we strive for that. We're trying. But I think you guys are, like, like Johnny is really all cancer, but his focus is really young, hip people. He's making it cool. And hugs. Yeah, and, well, the hugs get scary, but the pure yeah. reaction never gets old. You're making it cool. You're making it hip, and I, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I can't finish sentences today. You're verklempt. I'm verklempt. I'm coming out to um, Chicago out. again. This <laughs> stop, please. Sorry. I'll be, quiet I'll, be now. In, <laughs> I'll be in Chicago in June uh, for an event Johnny and I are putting together, and I'd love to see you guys again. Uh, get a little more acquainted. And uh, I, I just think what you're doing is, is so fantastic. But my last question 
because we're running out of time, is to uh, is to Jeremy. In your bio, I did say these words: uh, social enterprise. What is it specifically about Jimmy Insulin that makes you uh, want to grow it as a social enterprise versus a regular charity? Um, <laughs> I stumped you. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you did. Thanks, man. Well, it sounds nice. How about nice. I answer, how about I answer that question in June when you come to Chicago? Okay, all right. I've given you homework. Well, here. I'll field that one if that's all right. Okay. Go marketing with. <laughs> um, we're not, you know, unlike the JDRS, who is, you know, they're a fabulous organization, um, trying to raise money to help, you know, improve the treatments that we have today and, and ultimately find a cure. We are not looking to uh, just raise money. We're not, you know, giving money to find that cure, to help better treatment, to help better management. We want to help people in their day-to-day lives how to, you know, um, how to be better equipped in their in their social environment. Right. Um, and that is a huge fear that, that overcomes every newly diagnosed and challenged diabetic. And, and, and as an organization, we want to grow... Um, socially, it's it's a, a personal organization, um, and we not only help diabetics, um, people who are diagnosed diabetics, but the caregivers, the friends and the family who are supporting them, and we want to connect them and offer caregiver support, one-to-one peer-to-peer support from people who are either spouses or parents or children of or grandparents or cousins of diabetics. And because of that, we find it as a social enterprise. It's really about the relationship and not necessarily about – we, we do not give medical advice. We do not give money to finding a cure. We help them in their day-to-day and just their, their social and relationship needs. That is actually the right answer. <laughs> Congratulations. You, yes. Um, all right, so what is the what is the web, we've been plugging the website the whole time, but just what is your website? How can people get to know more, get involved? and learn not just how they can get connected as diabetics, but to understand and get destigmatized to what diabetes type 1 really is in this country? Uh, the website is www.jimmyinsulin.org, just like the name, J-I-M-M-Y, insulin like the medication. Um, and if you go to the Get Involved tab, uh, you can click on any of the menu options and you can send an email to info at jimmyinsulin.org with any, anything, any kind of uh, feedback, ideas. And, and we're also um, uh, participating in four uh, events this summer. Uh, we're going to do the Chicago Marathon, the Chicago Half Marathon, the Spring Rock and Roll Marathon, and also the Chicago Triathlon. And we're trying to build our team, so if anybody out there uh, would like to run on behalf of Jimmy Insulin. If there's any type 1s or type 2s that want to accomplish their goals, just go to Jimmy Insulin and email um, info at jimmyinsulin.org and we'll, uh, we'll get you acquainted with um, with our sporting events. And it's a, we have a running family, just like the social enterprise. <laughs> yeah. If any listeners out there want to sign up and you know want to come get involved, learn how to learn more about Jimmy Insulin, learn how to get involved, we absolutely welcome anyone. And if and if someone up there is just seeking more information on diabetes, on type 1, and isn't necessarily ready to uh, seek that peer-to-peer support, uh, we still invite you to get in touch, and we will point you in the right direction to help answer any questions that you might have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great, because we're going we're gonna to have to wrap it. For the folks in our chat room who are throwing questions at us, such as, do you have a Denver chapter, or I'd love to start one in my area, too, we should just have them get in touch with you, and you can answer all those questions for them. Please do. Absolutely. Okay, because they're coming in fast and furiously. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much. I don't think I'm going to Chicago anymore because you're going to drag me into a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case. Hold up the sign. (laughs) I'm your cheerleaders. Okay, I'll accept that role. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. Jimmy and Sullivan.org. You guys rock. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Jeremy Weisbach, Meredith Schwartz. All righty. No, this is really important. Johnny could I, – I, I joked about him threatening to hug me too much, but he was very serious yeah. about how this is an organization that is so attuned to this notion of real one-on-one peer support. It's, it's just a, 
It's amazing. And my father just did some research in the chat room. Apparently, there is no clinical link between cancer and diabetes, except being obese. Lewis, that's his name, Lewis. right? He came up with that for us that quickly? Yeah, he Googled something somewhere on the Internet, and that's it. Dr. Lewis. Dr. Lou. Dr. Lou. Dr. Lou, thanks very much. Anyway, all right, well, we're going to wrap up early tonight. Kenny, you want to give one more plug to the uh, yeah, forum? Yeah, I mean, the, we, we, we've had a great turnout. People are doing the orders and getting points and racking up points. Just for since we announced. Since we announced it earlier in the show, stupidcancerarmy.com. Sign up for our street team and get involved and uh, hang out with other people who just want to help out right. the stupid cancer movement. Good stuff. Very good stuff. All right, well, let's close out our show. I can guarantee you the closing sequence has not been altered. Well, we'll see about that. Well, I know. We'll fire it up after this Don't night. Too soon. It's like the Millennium Falcon, this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make the jump. It just keeps working. Prepare All right, here we go. Yay. There's rumors on the uh, Internet. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 175th broadcast. Woo! Woo! We hope you had as much fun as we did poking it stick at stupid diabetes. Love. Nice improv. Thank you. Exciting and new. You're up, Matt. All right. We'd like to thank our in-studio guests, James Manning, Mary Jones, and our guests, Ryan Hosley, Meredith Swartz, and Jeremy Weisbeck from Jimmy Insulin. All right, come back next week when we will do our first pre-OMG Summit show on parenting and families. Julie Larson, a young adult cancer advocate from NYU Young Adult Psycho... Uh, NY, uh, good God, I got good to practice for this. Good yeah. practice for next week. Sure. <laughs> She's a psychotherapist. Marsha Donziger, who is the founder of MyLifeline.org and an ovarian cancer survivor. Mark Rappaport, who's a, a, doctor, osteo, a doctor of osteopathy. Uh, thank you. YA survivor and assistant clinical professor of medicine at UMB Danbury Hospital. Aaron Zammett-Ruddy, who is the author of My So-Called Normal Life, a blogger at Parenting.com. And in the spotlight, Kobe Brown, a Ewing sarcoma survivor and a singer-songwriter. Alrighty, if you missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. Live from the Kimo Deck, on behalf of Lisa Bernhardt and myself and our whole team here, have a great week, folks. Go to bed, Ilana. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. Woo!